This week on Cinemaholics, we're dedicating the majority of the show to reviewing the new horror film, Us, the second feature by director Jordan Peele after his 2017 debut, Get Out. I think from a technical standpoint, there are many ways that this movie uh, is even stronger than his previous film and shows that he is only growing stronger as a filmmaker. We'll be discussing the film entirely spoiler-free for the first half of this review, then after a fairly obvious spoiler warning, we'll be digging deep into the secrets, meanings, and interpretations we had after watching Us. Peele has made a more human film than anything I think that was nominated for an Oscar in 2018. All that and more is coming up on Cinemaholics. Welcome once again to Cinemaholics. He is a pop culture writer for Cinema Blend. He also reviews films for The Playlist, Cut Print Film, and of course, Cinemaholics.com. It is Will Ash. Hey, John. How are you doing? Pretty all right. And you know, in addition yeah. to being your doppelganger, I am the author of the novel oh, Killer yeah. Joy, a book about Pixar called The Pixar Theory, and I write about film. For Adam Insider, Relevant Magazine, The Young Folks, and Cinemaholics, I'm John Agroni. You can find more episodes of Cinemaholics on adamtickets.com, as well as our full archive on cinemaholics.com. You can write into the show anytime by emailing us, cinemaholicspodcast at gmail.com, or support us directly by becoming one of our monthly patrons on patreon.com slash cinemaholics, as usual. Well, we have kind of a special episode this week, kind of something different from the usual. Whoa. Every episode of Cinemaholics is special, in my opinion, John. Uh, okay, fair enough. <laughs> but for this one, it's going to be even more off-kilter than usual because we are going to be just mainly focusing on one review. Now, we will be talking about a quick film sort of in our off-topic section that's coming up. But yeah, we're and we're going to do spoilers for the first time in a while. We haven't done a spoiler yeah. sort of section. Now, don't let that scare you. We are going to talk about us, spoiler-free. For the mm-hmm. first part of the review, of course, and then we'll give you the craziest spoiler warning ever. But yeah, you won't have oh. to skip ahead or do anything like that because the end of the show will be the spoiler review. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm trying to remember when was the last time we did a spoiler uh, section. I can't, I can't say off the top of my head, but yeah, it's, it's been, been a, quite has to be over time. a year now. Yeah, you think maybe. it's been a year? I think so because I mean, I don't know. Just thinking about all the changes we had to the show and everything we've done of late, I feel like it's been a while. Probably That's, since, um, I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. Yeah, it, it has to be like back in the Maverick days and, and all of that. So it's it's definitely, yeah. yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to make you say, I miss Maverick too. He, yeah. He's doing all right though. Uh, yeah, maybe we can get uh, a double Maverick to fill in for us and have his... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. But okay, we, we do have a listener email we want to read for you all real quick and off topics. Uh, this is from Michael, and it's a great segue into one of our off topics this week, actually. So Michael sent us an email. Um, he's actually emailed the show before. So this is kind of a follow-up, but we really appreciated this one, uh, in addition to the first, of course. But Michael said, greetings again from Australia. Just want to say how much I'm excited about your new extra milestone series where you feature a classic film. I love the classics and really enjoyed your first episode where you included background and extra extra information, which helped the listener to understand and appreciate the film just that little bit more. Please continue to give us a few weeks notice so we get a chance to view your nominated film prior to the podcast episode. I follow Cinemaholics and John on Twitter and also John, Will, and Sam on Letterboxd, where I always read your movie reviews and ratings. Would be great if you guys could follow me back on Letterboxd. My profile name is, and I'm not going to share it here unless... Michael, if you want us to share it, we will on next week's episode. But I, I never asked you if you wanted that to be public. But if you do, we, we will let people know where they can follow you on Letterboxd. And of course, we're, we're going to be following you on there as well. I believe Sam has already followed you on Letterboxd. And, and I 
I don't remember if I have yet. If I've forgotten, I apologize. Uh, but thank you, Michael. And, yeah, thank Yeah, and, and we should definitely, one of the main reasons I wanted to read this, of course, is because our latest extra milestone is coming out. And Michael asked us to give you all plenty of notice. So we did settle on our April movie. You have a few weeks, of course, to check it out. But our extra milestone anniversary is going to be Seven Samurai, which I believe came out in 1954. It is celebrating 65 years, huge milestone. We're going to be devoting an entire bonus episode of this show to Seven Samurai, one of my favorite films. And I know Sam Nolan absolutely loves that film. And Will, I mean, I don't want to out you to the audience, but I think you're going to be seeing Seven Samurai for the first time, correct? Yeah, I mean, I've seen films that are inspired by Seven Samurai, like uh, 13 Assassins, I believe, was the one film, but uh, I haven't seen Seven Samurais itself, so that'll be pretty exciting. Right. I wish we could do an entire series on Kurosawa. That would be a lot of fun. But yes, thank you again, Michael, and Some Like It Hot, that bonus episode is coming out later this week. But if you are a Cinemaholics patron, you, of course, can now listen to that episode right now. A special thank you. Wanted to give that some early access to all of our awesome patrons. Yeah, for sure. You should be a Patreon exclusive member. Yes. Is that yes. what they're called? Or just Patreon member? I don't no, it's know what they're patron, It's in a Patreon exclusive member. Okay. Or just a patron. You can be a patron of Cinemaholics on Patreon, right? Uh, That's how it, I get yeah. this all mixed up. I, I, I keep mispronouncing it because I don't know how to pronounce these things. So I'm sorry. But What, what you should do in uh, situations is overpronounce yeah. it. Patreon. Oh, that's what I've been doing this whole episode. Yeah, that's what I've been doing this whole time. (laughs) Well, there you go. And it worked out. Um, But okay. Yeah. Real quick, before we get into our first review here, did want to kind of shout out a few films that we didn't see slash aren't going to be talking about quite yet. There's Hotel Mumbai, which I thought I was going to be seeing, but they actually pushed it back a week. It's going to be hitting theaters nationwide. And we'll talk more at the end of this episode about what else is going to be coming out. But then there's also Gloria Bell, which I had a chance to see this, but I, I didn't because of personal like things got in the way and all kinds of crazy stuff. And so that's why that's part of the reason why we're like, all right, we don't have a lot of films to talk about. But then there's also The Inventor, Out for Blood in Silicon Valley. Well, I know you've heard about oh, yeah. this one, the Elizabeth Holmes documentary. The, yeah. This is one on HBO, right? Yeah, I believe it's HBO, yeah. Yeah, I've been hearing a lot about it, and I've been meaning to check it out, but I haven't gotten a chance to see it yet. Yeah, I, I've been hearing about Holmes for a while now, the whole Theranos thing. It sounds like a fascinating story. It's on HBO right now, and, and maybe we'll get to it next week. I, I'm thinking about checking this one out. If you in particular yeah. want us to talk about it, or any of these films, let us know. But then there's also The Dirt, another streaming film on Netflix, oh, yeah. a Motley Crue biopic. But I got steered away from this one by Cinemaholic staff writer Julia Tatey, who she wrote her review on Cinemaholics, and that's worth checking out, too. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm planning to talk about it, I guess, next week, because I'm reading the book right now, the Motley Crue right. book. So, yeah, I'll, I'll probably talk about that next week. But I'm hearing not great things, which is unfortunate, because I'm having a good bit of fun reading the book right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think Julia said she wrote she read the book as well. And I, I thought she sh- said she didn't. Oh, did she say that uh, she didn't? Okay, I'm, I might be I misunderstanding. Thought, yeah. But yeah, yeah, she definitely knew a lot about the band, of course, and is a big fan. So she her review is right now available on cinemahawks.com. Definitely check it out. We might be talking about Shazam. I don't know if we want to wait on that. I, I'm going to be seeing yeah. it later today. And I might be I, too. <clears throat> perfect. If we could both see it, then we might as well talk about it next week. But yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Again, I want to check it out. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Uh, last week, we did talk about Triple Frontier was our featured review. And then comments-wise, we had some comments about 
clips and we got the question from Trevor. Trevor asks, I like the addiction, the addition of the clips. And this is when we play a clip from a film when talking about the movies. It's something we've only started doing like as of this year, mainly, but Trevor wants to know, why do you use clips instead of excerpts from the trailers? And I think I have, a. I know, Will, you've asked me this before, I want to say, or you haven't, really, yeah. I think, I don't think you asked me like outright, but I think you were sort of like, oh, why not just use the trailer? Cause I couldn't find a good clip. Yeah. And, and oh yeah. Th- There's been times. Yeah. 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 My thing is, and, and feel free to tell me I'm ridiculous, Will Ashen, but I prefer clips. I, I think clips are more interesting to listen to. I don't really like listening to excerpts from the trailers. I want to see it because the way the music, it's a lot of noise. Right. And and when I hear it on other podcasts, I'm a little taken out and I don't really like it as much, but I like clips because it's more performance centered. You have more context for what's going on. You can sort of prep the listener for like, okay, here's the clip, here's what's happening. And then you get a better sense, I think of the context and all of that. But well, I don't know. Should, should we go to trailers? Am I, am I overthinking all of this? Uh, no, I, it's not that I prefer trailers over clips, to be clear. I just think that there are times where there might only be a trailer and not yeah, a clip of use. So that's why I say, like, oh, like in that case, why don't we just play the trailer? And then I think that's where you're coming from with that. I usually uh, raise reference. a fuss, but yeah. yeah. No, but um, if, if we ever yeah. do end up playing a, a, an excerpt from a trailer, that's the reason. It's because there are no clips available or good clips. Right. Yeah. And I think, I mean, just to uh, champion playing clips. I think it helps break the monotony sometimes of our show. You know, you have to listen to us for sometimes <laughs> an hour, hour and a half. So it's kind of nice to have someone else come in and offer their voice, you know, John. Ah, I want to hear some monotony right now, <laughs> Will Ashen. Let's yeah. get into our, our first and only <laughs> mini review. <laughs> You're going to be talking about a film called Yardy, which when you yeah. mentioned to me that you saw Yardy, I was I was shocked that this movie actually came out. I feel like I've been hearing about this for years now, but tell us all about it for for people who haven't heard anything about this one. It has a fascinating director you've probably heard of. Uh, tell us all about it. Yeah, I believe this uh, premiered either a year or two ago at the Sundance Film Festival. That might be what you're referring to. But um, yeah, it's the new or actually the only film directed by Idris Elba, who people probably know best as an actor of uh, much acclaim Heimdall, of many. Right? That's that's his main it- acting credit. Heimdall from the Thor movie. No. OK. Well, yeah, I mean, it's like uh, it's the Thor movies. Well, I guess the Marvel movies in general. And then there's well, I'm joking Luther. just because, yeah, Luther, of course, is like his big, yeah. big role. Well, I'm just trying to think like what people might know him from because like Star Trek. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't yeah, know exactly Dark what Tower. people know him from. Yeah, well, maybe not that. But I mean, he's I been think, around. He's a, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of people were introduced to him actually in The Office because he plays Charles Minor, very oh, prominent okay. sort of antagonistic character in, I think, the fifth season, I want to say. And I think, because at that point, he wasn't a huge actor yet, but I think because The Wire was his big yeah, the wire introduction. Was but yeah. for people who didn't have HBO, right? Like, The Office was more of his mainstream network TV introduction for a lot of people. Yeah, well, in any case, he's been around for a good number of years. I think he's proven himself as an actor, so... Like many actors, including Jordan Peele, who we'll talk about later, he decided to transition into the director's chair. And, um, you know, given how versatile of an actor he is, I was curious to see uh, what it would be like to see his uh, vision. And unfortunately, um, it's not a bad film, but it's just a very okay one. You ever just see a movie and you're just like, well, that was okay. Like, it's not, 
it's not bad enough to like be negative about it, but it's not good enough to be positive about it. It's just sort of serviceable, and I think as an introduction to filmmaking for Idris Elba, it's okay. But it also uh, borrows quite a bit in its approach from City of God, if you've seen that. Um, it, hmm. There are certain shots and editing techniques of the film that I think are directly lifted from that film, to the point where I think the editor and director of City of God should probably get a co-credit. Um, but, wow. yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's based it's based on a book by Victor Headley. Um, I think it's the same name. And yeah. it's, it's like a crime drama about a DJ uh, who, after his brother's death, he goes to London to get involved in the drug ring, and then he kind of ha- tries to avenge his brother's death, and in the process, he uh, gets reacquainted with a former love of his, and um, it it hits a lot of cliches that you've probably seen in these type of crime dramas. I think what gives it a little bit, um, uh, I guess a little bit of an extra, uh, what's the word, I guess, here, um, distinction would be that there's a lot of uh, like DJ scenes because Idris Elba, if you don't know, is also a DJ part time. He's going to be and DJing at Coachella. <laughs> is that true? Soon. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I thought he did that before. Yeah, but um, yeah, it's not even his yeah, first time. Yeah. So there, there are a couple of inspired musical scenes throughout the film that that I think give it life and kind of give it the energy that it needs to kind of break up some of the uh, drier scenes of the film. But yeah, it's it's fine. I, I don't have too much more to say otherwise. I think if you like Idris Elba and you want to see what he can do as a director, it's worth seeking out. Um, and I do think it's a little more personal than some reviews I think have given it credit for. Mm-hmm. I've heard some people say it feels impersonal, and I guess maybe that's just because it, it has so much of a uh, lenient on like kind of gangster cliches and obviously City of God and other films uh, of that vein. But yeah, I, I think it's fine. It just It's just very okay. So that's where I stand on Yardy. I gave it a C+. Okay, C plus, and I had a question about the music. I, I know Yardy is a Jamaican term, and I'm pretty sure yeah. the book kind of leans into the Jamaican stuff. Is reggae at all some of the music that they're doing here, or is that a presence? Yeah, a little bit. Okay, um, okay. it's not just reggae, but it's a good bit of it, I think, is yeah. Okay, so yeah, I guess um, it's kind of interesting yeah. to me because it's a British film, right? And Elba is a British guy. I mean, he was born, raised in in England, but it is kind of a to, to what you're saying about the personal stuff, it is supposed to be a story about somebody who's Jamaican and, and I don't know, I don't really know much else beyond that and the DJ stuff. Yeah. 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 I mean, unfortunately I think you're alluding to this, but I think the reason why it's not getting too much notice despite the prominent director um, is just that it's not, like I said, it's like not good enough to really champion, but it's not bad enough to like dismiss. It's just mm-hmm. in that in between zone where it'll probably go on Netflix at some point and you can see it there if you wish to see it. But I think that's the reason why it's not getting a, a big splash. And he's also, each yourself is not in the film to be clear. Like he's only behind the camera. So um, yeah, it's like I said, everything about it is just kind of okay. What works does work. I think the cinematography is good as well, but um, yeah, it's just, I wish I had more to say about it, positive or negative, but unfortunately that's where I am right now. That's pretty in line with the Rotten Tomato score. It has a 62%, so a little over half of critics liked it, but it's only about 29 reviews. So yeah, very, very mixed in the middle kind of thing. I think Metacritic is 57. So sounds about right for this one. Just kind of a middle-of-the-road sort of film, and if it's your jam, I guess that's what you should be checking out. Pun intended, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
But okay, let's move into our featured review of Us. And again, this is going to be our only review for this episode. We're going to start with a spoiler-free section. We're not going to be giving anything away, but after we give our final grades, we're going to be letting you know that the spoilers have begun because this is that rare film, I think, Will, where you just, you got to talk about it. You have to actually talk about certain themes, but even the slightest misstep can spoil the experience for somebody. So let's talk about it. Yeah. And just want to emphasize one more time that we're not going to be giving it away anything too specific. So our main review again is us. And I want to say that again, because it's such a quick word that I think it can get kind of <laughs> lost in our, our sentences. But yes, us is the name of the film. It was directed and written by Jordan Peele. This is his follow-up to get out, which was his first feature film. He also wrote that as well and directed it and won an Oscar for get out in 2017. He won for Best Original Screenplay. And Get Out happens to be one of the very first films you and I ever reviewed on Cinemaholics. This is like the theme yeah, of 2019. Episode three. episode three. And it's a theme of 2019 because the first film was the Lego Batman movie. We talked about Lego movie, the second part earlier this year. And then also John Wick 3 is going to be coming out. John Wick 2 was one of the first movies we talked about. The only film that I yeah. think we'll probably not be as enthusiastic about is Dark Phoenix, because that's sort of the next X-Men film after the uh, Logan, right? Yeah. Well, what about uh, The Great Wall 2 that's coming <laughs> the out pretty soon, The Great right? Wall 2 starring Matt Damon, yes. Uh, yeah. I'm surprised that hasn't been announced. Maybe it's a surprise screening at the next yeah. uh, f- festival, yeah. Oh, well, yeah, okay. But yeah, speaking of, you know, before we move on to us, Will, you recently rewatched get out right so yeah how was that experience because when we first watched get out you definitely really liked it and you gave it a pretty positive i think like b plus right so what what did you think of this yeah Yeah, it was somewhere around there what what did you think the second time yeah i mean i think i wrote about this in the review on the site right now if you feel free to check it out but um i did i liked the film a good bit like you said and i saw it as a strong uh, promising directorial debut for uh, Jordan Peele. And I don't even know if I even mentioned this in the first episode that we did, but I remember really being excited about Get Out for a while. Like, I remember when it was announced around like 2008 or 2009, I was following it with interest mm-hmm. until its release. And um, I was really excited to see it finally come into fruition. But I think when during our review, I don't know if it was just because the reviews at the time were so positive and so like overwhelmingly positive that I was so kind of focused on the imperfections of the film that um, ultimately I, I think I overlooked what was so meaningful and powerful about the film. And thankfully, now that I've gotten a chance to hear so many opinions about the film, and I recently watched uh, a documentary you talked about on the show already, Horror Noir from uh, yeah. Shudder, uh, which is really good. I, I would definitely recommend that as well. Um, yeah, I've, I've grown to really appreciate the film and recognize that it is not merely a good film, but a great one. So. I apologize to you, John. You were right about that one, and I was wrong. So, well, I mean, we were uh, so close yeah. to opinion; it was barely even a difference, right? Because because yeah, I gave it but, an A minus, but I, I was definitely I'm, a little bit more of like I didn't want to talk about the negatives. I only wanted yeah. to talk about the positives with that one. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, I I, I even perceived some negatives. I don't even think were there. Truth be told, so uh, you know, just just take this one. You know, John, I don't I don't give you enough compliments, so I, I say just wear this one in your vest for now, and uh, let's. Well, let's move on before I shower too much praise. Let's upon move you. on. Yeah. Well, I mean, you you got to have one over on me with Happy Death Day to you. Oh, okay. So it, it it always happens to be with horror movies, right? You know, Blumhouse. Yeah. Blumhouse. There you go. That's a fun little connective tissue. So this film, though, Us, which does have a nice little callback 
to get out. I'm curious if you caught it. We'll probably talk about it in the spoiler section, but I definitely really appreciated it. And I have a feeling you caught it because you did just rewatch the film. But this Us review is going to be challenging, I think, in the spoiler-free section because Mm -hmm. this is one of those films that derives a lot of the enjoyment out of Discovery, both in the character development and where this horror narrative goes. And we're going to have to limit these plot details to what you can already get from the trailer. But, well, I don't want to speak for you, but I have a feeling you agree with me that we. I would say we both strongly recommend you, you turn off this podcast, go watch the movie yourself if you're already convinced you want to see it. But if you're still on the fence, we're going to do our best to share our honest thoughts on this, give out relevant details that can wrap your head around what this movie is to make sure it's something that you do want to see. But yeah, I don't want to go too far off base, though, if if that's not the case for you. No, I agree. I mean, I tend not to like plot synopsis and reviews in general, just because I feel like you can go to Wikipedia to know what the plot of a film is. I like to give like thoughts about the film and stuff. But yeah, especially for this film, I think you just need to know the bare gist of it. Just get an idea of what it's about. But I really recommend if you can go into this one as cold as possible, because I think you're much more rewarded if you know less about the film going in. Yeah, plot synopses are terrible. So here's the plot synopsis. Us centers <laughs> around no, okay. We are gonna yeah. here here's here's my synopsis. And we don't usually I, I usually just come up with my own sort of how I perceive the film and you do too. So here here's what I have to say about it in the most spoiler-free way. So us centers around a middle class family. They're on vacation in Santa Cruz, California, which happens to be my neighborhood. Now I don't live right in Santa Cruz. I live about a I used to live about 20, 30 minutes away from the boardwalk. Now I live a little bit more like 45 minutes, but Santa Cruz is one of my favorite places since moving to California in the summertime slash the springtime. And it gets a little warm. I go to Santa Cruz basically every weekend. So this for me is a very, very personal location that I'm a little upset over the horror that is, that is going to unfold here. But and and even with a movie like Bumblebee, which only kind of was in Santa Cruz a little bit, even that was a little bit hard for me to watch because I I just love Santa Cruz so much. But Santa Cruz is a very, very interesting location. And I, and I will say the boardwalk stuff, very spot on, <laughs> you know, from the seediness to the kind of bright poppiness. But regardless, they're on vacation in Santa Cruz, California, and they experience a seemingly supernatural home invasion in the dead of night, only to discover that the strangers antagonizing them appear to be their exact doppelgangers for reasons unknown. So the family itself consists of two parents and two kids. The father, Gabe, is played by Winston Duke. He, of course, was Baku in Black Panther and really is starting to pop up all over the place now, which I'm, I'm really happy to see. And he does... He does this very cringy sort of dad joke, goofy performance. The mother of the family, who but, I think uh, you mean it? cringy in a good way, right? Not like cringy in a bad way. Like the performance, right? He makes he makes the people around him cringe, but not right, the audience. Yeah. The audience loves just make him. You, I think just <laughs> yeah. to make the distinction. Okay, sorry. Go ahead. Good. That's a good thing to make sure we're clear about. Yeah. So the mother of the family. Adelaide. She's played by Lupita Nyong'o. She is, of course, the emotional center of this story. We follow her along most of the ride. And the film actually begins with her as a young child, played by Madison Curry. But of course, we will not say more than that. 
The two children we're introduced to are played by Shahadi Wright Joseph. She plays the older teenage daughter, Zora. And she's always staring at her phone, listening to music, that kind of thing. And then Evan Alex plays the younger, more peculiar sibling. He always wears like a Chewbacca mask. His name is Jason. I think that was Chewbacca, right? Because I think... Uh, yeah, I believe right? so. I wasn't 100% sure, but it looked like Chewbacca. looked like the Chewbacca mask from that, that video, the viral video, the Chewbacca... I Mom, think it looked very that? different yeah. from that video, though. It oh, was really? more of a simple mask because that one had like the the movable mouth and everything. Oh, this that's one was true. more yeah. of like a party kind of. Th- yeah. I liked it a lot. And there was like a Spielberg reference and a George Lucas reference with a Chewbacca mask, and he of course wears a Jaws shirt for a lot of this film. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that is something we should say about Peels. When you watch his movies, they are just a treasure trove of pop culture, and we've known that about him since Key and Peel. This guy loves him some pop culture and will is the pop culture writer at cinema blend i mean you, of <laughs> course <laughs> can relate yeah. sorry i was just gonna say yeah he consumes a lot of media in this life of his yeah mm-hmm. and we we are all the better for it i think so we have a clip here from very early on in the film where our main family encounters the doppelganger family for the first time and this these weirdos they're just standing in the driveway wearing these red jumpsuits they're staring from the shadows. We can't really see their faces. And Gabe, the father, he's trying to figure out, okay, what is our next move? What are we going to do about this? Here is the clip. Okay, let's call the cops. I did. They're 14 minutes away. What? 14 minutes? Okay, 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 okay. Okay, okay. Jason, give me the bat. What bat? The baseball bat, the bat. There's one in the corner. Here, here. Thank you. Gabe. All right, hold on. I got this. Let's try this again. Gabe. No, 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 no. All right. Gabe. I got this. I got this. Now, I thought I already done told y'all to get off my property, okay? So if y'all want to get crazy, we can get crazy. Now, the cops already... On day way. All right, that is a clip from us, and we will dare not reveal what happens next. Of course, you have to see the film to know for yourself. So, just covering this from a broad perspective, Will Ashton, I have a feeling your expectations were pretty high for this film, just like mine. Jordan Peele had a lot to prove with this film, to prove that this get out wasn't a fluke right and that he has a place in horror film history perhaps some some would put that expectation on him maybe unfairly but what say you is us worth checking out yeah i mean you were alluding to it but um typically when directors make a film of such high stature in their first attempt they have what's perceived as like a sophomore slump or a film that even if it's not bad it's just kind of seen as less than um, I don't know. I'm trying to think of examples, but I know Unbreakable the one that... is a pretty because because Unbreakable is well, a film that disappointed people when it first came out because Shyamalan uh, Sixth uh, Sense. It's uh, okay. It's technically the just, third film by yeah, Shyamalan, I was say, but yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean. It was like... Yeah. Um, while I was thinking like Southland Tales, it's like kind of the notorious like huge sophomore slump where it's just like he got a way bigger budget. And like nobody can really make sense of that film, but mm. um, I'm sure there are many others. And you know, I mean, I, I don't, 
I don't feel like we should. I guess like Mallrats for some people is another one, but uh, that one's kind of perceived a bit of a cult following, so I'm not quite sure. Hey. But uh, anyway, yeah. So when you you rise so high with your first film, to people typically think that you will only fall from there. And uh, for me, I mean, I don't know. I've I've heard kind of mixed opinions. Some people say they think this one is not as good as Get Out, or they say it's good, but maybe just as good. For me, I think it's maybe even better than Get Out. Um, I just think it's it, it's kind of hard to compare the two. I know you were saying that you weren't crazy about comparing them off the air, John, but um, I They're think... so different, yeah. I think from a storytelling standpoint, I can understand where you're coming from, but I'll just say... I think from a technical standpoint, there are many ways that this movie uh, is even stronger than his previous film and shows that he is only growing stronger as a filmmaker. Now, obviously, I guess the budget for this film was probably a little higher than Get Out. I'm not sure exactly by how much, but uh, I would say the cinematography in this movie is just gorgeous. I mean, the the visual presentation of the film alone is, I think, even stronger than Get Out, Uh, even though I still think the sunken place segments in Get Out... Are probably oh, very some of the best inspired, things. yeah. But but the cinematographer here is Mike Yulakis, who right. did It Follows, which right. was my favorite film of 2015. So I and agree with you 100%. Yeah, I think didn't he do Split as well? Or am I um, thinking of somebody else? Uh, good question. I don't know if he did Split. I thought he did I don't one remember. of the, the Shaman recent films, but I might I'll look it up while you continue. Okay, but no, I mean, I think everything about like the way that um. Jordan Peele is able to prove himself even more as a visual storyteller is much more apparent here. The way that he plays even more with uh, visual metaphors, colors, styling, shadows, lighting. Uh, You name the gamut. It's all, I think, there and apparent. But um, I think what's really going to stand out uh, for this film is that with Get Out, I feel like it definitely has a strong message in what it's trying to say is very stark and i guess in some way shocking but i think it's pretty cut and dry as far as the message is concerned what i really like about us is that uh rewarding the theme of like doubles and twos i think this is a film you have to really need to see more and more to get a broader perspective of Mm -hmm. and i think this is a film that um it, it it can be perceived i guess as messy for some people because it's not very uh, uh, cut and dry the same way that Get Out is but I think that is one way that I have to disagree because I just think this film it just allows so many different interpretations of what you could perceive the quote unquote metaphor to be I think the way that he is playing with structure here the way that he allows himself to uh, grow and challenge himself into making a film that I think is even weirder and darker and uh, stranger and maybe uh, I don't know what other adjectives he used but uh, I guess to me, this film is a lot more. It, it's a chance for him to challenge himself in a way that uh, I found very rewarding. And there's a lot of times where directors, when they hit it out of the park the first time, they kind of played easy the second time. And the thing that really excites me about this film is knowing that Jordan Peele is going to push himself, I think, with each project of his. And he's not going to play it safe or uh, allow himself to play it safe. So, yeah, I, I'm. That's all I think I could say without diving into spoilers, uh, just the bare, broad surface stuff without talking about the themes. But yeah, I really, really like this. And I know you have a lot to say as well. I think a lot of people would say that they prefer kind of the cut and dry narrative of Get Out, as you're saying, thematically. 
Whereas us, I think is so much more, I think the word is probably elastic. You you really can put the kitchen sink in, in this movie. You can put so many different interpretations. I have tons of things that were occurring to me throughout the entire film that were only strengthened the more I was thinking about it. And this is one of those, those movies where I just, I cannot wait to see it again because it just like it follows. It it follows was a movie that just really turned my brain on in a way and just made me think and think and think. And and I love those movies. And some people get frustrated by movies like that. I was going to ask you, you know, did you have this feeling after you saw us where you felt like you missed something? Because I certainly did. I felt like, not that I missed the point or that I missed everything, but I just felt like I needed to examine it more and more to really get it. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, I think this movie, it doesn't make anything simple. I, I guess if you perceive it as simple, you're not really giving the film its full due. So, uh, yeah, no, I just, I think there's a lot that's say, being said here. And that's why I'm so excited to see it again is just because... Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, you can perceive it any one way and, you know, that makes a satisfying first viewing. But like you're saying, I think the movie is so willing to say so much in a a two hour runtime that I can't imagine being disappointed by a second viewing. And I hope I'm not. So, yeah. 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 I I love this film so much. I think it's one of it's it's one of the, the smartest films I've seen in recent memory. And it it solidifies so many things for me that I know that I really like about Jordan Peele. He's just, he's so brilliant at creating overlap between human emotions and because in the way that he can make a horror film, both funny and tragic and smart, it's capturing the gamut of the emotional spectrum, which to me is very human. That's how human beings are. And I think, I think the way that he does a horror film is so uniquely human and the way he does films is so uniquely human. And I think that's what makes them so endearing. And just the fact that you can watch this, you can laugh at it. You can be scared by it. You can get very upset and sad and introspective and all of the above. And it all kind of resembles each other. That to me is what's just really effective about this. And and I hope a lot of people give it a chance to, to suck them in. I, but I do see a lot of people can go into this and be frustrated by a lot of the things that it brings up. This is one of those films that it doesn't over-explain the lore to much extent. It, it really sort of relies on suspension of disbelief. And for me, I was there, but I could see a lot of people who watch CinemaSins videos all the time who could uh, perceive, you know, yeah. plot holes out of things that aren't explicitly explained in the movie. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not trying to, to trash CinemaSins by any stretch. I mean, they just, they make jokes, right? About, yeah. you know, what does that mean? Oh, that's never explained in the movie. But then I do know some people, their takeaway from that is like, well, this movie is bad if it doesn't explain everything and if it isn't literal about everything. And I reject that wholesale. And this yeah. is not a movie that does that in the slightest well, I believe, I mean, not the harp too much on Cinema Sins, but I think they did get some criticism or controversy with their review of Get Out, because I think they did something similar, I believe, if I remember correctly. I'm not sure. Uh, about, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised, though. Yeah. But I remember that was a film like, you know, that's another film that's very metaphor focused. And I guess you I mean, it's another film like I've heard people say, like, if you focus too much, like on the plot elements of this film, it might not make as much sense. I feel like that's, I guess you have to take the movie at its face value. Like, I don't think it's worth, you know, looking at it too literally, because if you do, you're not 
really, I think, appreciating what Jordan Peele is doing here. I mean, he's mm-hmm. it's very much like the metaphor focus. If you take it too realistically, then I don't think you're giving it the full appreciation because I think I, I've seen this comparison made a lot and I, I made it too in my review, but there is a very much like a Twilight Zone element to his two films. And I guess that makes sense that he's taking on the show because like they do have very kind of like they're concept heavy. Like they both very much focus on like kind of like an extreme version of something, but they're speaking about something that's very relevant and necessary and timely to right now. And I think yeah. they speak not only to our political times, but just like the genre that they're in, the horror genre, which I guess some people take umbrage with, I guess with uh, Get Out, given that I guess us too, they're, they have satire in them or there's comedy in them. So people say that they're like horror comedies and stuff. I guess they kind of, I mean, obviously the Golden Globes, I mean, Get Out was uh, nominated, I guess, for, I think for best comedy or musical, right? If I remember correctly. Yeah. Not drama. There's so much arguing about genres and yeah. I find it all absolutely dumb. Like, I don't, well, I don't get the point. Yeah. Well, I mean, my only point is just that I, I think with this film, I, another reason I like it so much is that like he is definitely like leaning in. He's like, oh, you guys really wanted a horror film. Like, I'll give you a horror movie. Like, this movie yeah. gets creepy, like in a way that's pretty consistent. And I like that, uh, as you're saying, er- one criticism I still have to get out is I think the comedy and the uh, horror of that film can sometimes be a little jarring. Like the Lil Ray, I believe, was that the actor's name? The Lil Ray the best Howard, yeah. Yeah, like I know, like there's a couple of moments in that film where it, it's kind of like comedic relief in a way that like, it kind of takes out of the initial suspense of that film. And I like that this movie, the comedy and the horror, like they're very much ingrained in a way that you never get taken out of the film, but you're still like, like even you can be like scared and laugh at the same time. It's it's really a showcase of how uh, Jordan Peele is really uh, playing with not only tone but showing how he's progressing. Yeah, I I still really like the horror in Get Out. I think that it. For me, at least, it, it was yeah, just I right. mean, this is my to be opinion. Clear, yeah, I mean, to be clear, I'm not. I actually think the horror is a lot stronger than the comedy. I think it's just that the the film this time, I think it blends a lot more naturally than that film, where it could be a little, I guess, a little uneven in some, certain segments, in my opinion, at least. So I can that's, I can see that. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I I have to say though, with us, I think this works as a horror film that lets you enjoy it as a horror film, even if you don't really accept it in a brainier level, but that's not what made me fall in love with this movie. The, the horror is not what I love about it. The, the horror is just nice. I think it's just entertaining. And I think that's the beauty of a good genre film. It's not the epic space battles. It's not the, the violence, just the, the visceral effect that makes me love it on a deep level. It is the meaning behind it and the likability of the character and what it's really saying beyond the genre-ness of it all. And that just for me personally is what I go to the movies for. And that's what I was able to appreciate this movie on in a certain way. So we, we definitely want to talk about details. So let's, let's just go into our final kind of summation, I guess. And I've kind of already given mine. I, I just think this thing works so well. I'm so impressed with this film. I, I just think it, it it's so wonderfully crafted and I, I have barely anything negative to say about it. I, I remember while I was watching it, there were some continuity things that didn't make sense to me that I, I've been able to find much more palatable. As I, And I think rewatching it will maybe clear some things up for me that I was a little confused about character motivation and, and some horror movie tropes that I didn't 
think fit as well. But now I'm just suspecting that it was an error of me as the viewer, to be honest. And so it it does require, I think, more investigation probably on my part. But this this is going to get a very big grade for me. I, I give this thing an A. I don't think anything negative in it comes close to overshadowing, pun intended, what what this movie ultimately does. And I think I'm going to be able to really explain why this movie rises to such heights for me in the spoiler section, because it really just comes down to, I love what Jordan Peele is saying here and how he's getting it across. And it's it just works on this subconscious level. And I love movies that do that. I, this movie just, oh, it scratches such a good itch for me. And I can't wait to just gush all about it even further. But what about you, Alashian? What, 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 tell us all about your B minus. Uh, no, not this time. No, I'm actually an A minus on the film. Um, mm. The only reason I'm not an A with you, John, is just I, I have some umbrage with the uh, twist of the film. And we'll talk about more in depth and spoilers. And I would definitely recommend our listeners, if you haven't seen the film, check it out. And then I'll let you know what I don't really care about as far as a twist. But for me, it just felt I don't even know if I should say why I wasn't crazy about it. I mean, because according to some people saying that there even is a twist is considered a spoiler. So, um, yeah, just the, the the ending didn't quite work as well as I was hoping. It didn't have that punch that punch I was hoping for. But I do love that final shot, to be clear. So, uh, yeah, I give it an A minus and let's talk about some spoilers. OK, so A and A minus. I mean, we're just splitting hairs, right, between yeah. how much we both really, really like this film. But let's let's get into it then. And I don't want to dive headfirst into the the twist or anything like that because you know I, I think that would be pretty. We, we gotta we gotta pace ourselves here. But final warning from this point on, we're just gonna talk about the films. So you've been warned. You're gonna get spoiled if you keep listening. So this is your chance to duck out. But okay, us. Whew, what a movie. Uh, what a series of events. At what point in this film? Will, did it kind of crystallize for you that it was working for you on the level that it did? Uh, I was into it from the beginning, truth be told. I mean, just the um, the craftsmanship of the beginning, I felt, was really, really solid. And I could see, um, just from a visual standpoint, how this film was exceeding Get Out, in my view. Um, but I think for me, like the point where story-wise it was really coming together was probably that confrontation in the I don't know if that's the middle or the uh, end of the first act where you, you start to see as like you uh, see the parallels, just exactly what is at play here. And um, for me, and then there's uh, I guess we're in spoilers now, right? Mm-hmm. When you see that it's not just secluded to this family and that you see from Tin Heidecker and uh, Elizabeth oh, Moss, Moss perspective that, yeah, that like, this is just, this isn't uh, an isolated incident. My theater it's, lost their minds when that family just got wiped out <laughs> like, yeah. when, when, by their own clones. I, I everybody was just like gauze or jaws agape. I can't even say it. Yeah, jaws agape or gape. Yeah, I don't know if the exact pronunciation, but I'm glad your audience was digging it because I wasn't 100 percent sure where my audience was with it. It seemed like somebody, for the most part they were into it. Yeah. There was somebody next to me who literally was going through her phone during the final battle scene. <laughs> like Aww. the bit, the pivotal moment. She takes her phone yeah. out. I wanted to look at her and just be like, what is wrong with you? But sorry. Yeah. No, I just like, I, I seem like 
my audience is definitely laughing, but there's some times where it seemed like they were laughing at the film. So I wasn't a hundred percent sure. Not the case uh, with mine. Yeah. My, my yeah. audience was all about it. Right. Yeah, that's why I was a little disappointed. Cause I was like, really, uh, I was, I felt like in some ways I was a little more into it compared to, uh, some of my critic peers. I don't know why they were kind of scoffing it off sometimes, but I was disappointed by that. But anyway, that's not a change there. Pittsburgh. Um, no, I mean, I don't know. I mean, maybe they were just really into it and I was misreading it. It's entirely possible. Um, but no, what were we? Oh, so yeah, Tim Heidecker and Elizabeth Moss. Yeah, that, that reveal and just the way that that scene is done. I, I feel like that's, I don't, if, I don't know if that's my favorite scene in the film, but I just, I mean, I love that location. Like I love the way it's laid out, mm-hmm. um, just from a production standpoint, but then, yeah, this, that needle drop of, uh, NWA was probably the biggest <laughs> laugh I got out of the film. Truth be told. Oh, it was pretty amazing. And, and just the fact that it's in a glass house and oh, there's mm-hmm. so many good. Yeah. Again, yeah. The production design. Yeah. I thought it was on point, but, but even the, the production design serves the metaphors, right. And right. there's no, always like, yeah. that nice little touch. There's so many good touches in here for me it, on that note, actually the moment I knew I loved this film was when our character, our main character asks red, who is her doppelganger who are you? And she says, we're Americans. And that's when it made sense to me that I was like, Oh, us U S. And it was saying that, uh, you know, United States, us, the movie had a double meaning and I love stuff like that. I just think that's really fun wordplay, but even going further, I was like, Oh, this movie, you know, it's not, and Jordan Peele has said as much. It's not about race specifically. It's not really about any one thing. I will, I will say though, I think this movie does have two hot button issues that I think are more firmly on its mind than anything else. And I would say that that is classism and immigration and specifically with immigration, the fear of the other and specifically with classism, the forgotten lower class of society. I think that those are just two undeniably heavy ideas that are happening in this film. What do you think? Yeah, no, I mean, I wouldn't, I would definitely say it's a political film, uh, I, I I feel you'd be hard pressed to say otherwise, but I guess for some reason, like some people might say that like race makes it political. I don't quite know. I mean, I don't know. I guess just the way things are right now. But no, I would definitely say it's not. It's not just about race. That's very very simple. Read the film if if that. Um, but yeah, no, I I think yeah, I think you're right on point. I agree with everything you said there. I think it evokes racial allegory. Right. It, right. You can't avoid but that also, yeah. when your main right. characters, well, when you actually have representation, that's going to happen. The fact that she right. has handcuffs, the, the shackles, mm-hmm. the fact that a lot of this movie has underground tunnels, you can't yeah. avoid. Cause, but that's part of what this movie is about is that the, these like sort of horrible moments in our history, y- you can't really have them be separate from anything, including your art. Right. And if you try to, one of my favorite things in this film is when we first see the fun house of mirrors and you see that it's like a shaman and it's like a very horrible native American stereotype. Right. Yeah. And it's a hall of mirrors. And then we see that at first in the eighties, but then when we go to present day, it's been slightly changed to be Merlin's enchanted adventure or something like that. And it's so indicative of what Americans do. Like, this is what we do. We we don't change anything. We don't solve the problem. We just paint a new character on it and try to pretend like nothing ever happened. And we don't yeah. change the inside. We barely change the outside. And we act as if 
we don't still have these like dark demons lurking underneath. You know what I mean? And and that just to me is like such a great level of this film to engage on. Yeah, no, for sure. Okay, so I want to talk about really the probably the biggest criticism of this film, aside from the twist, is that I think some people don't really don't like that they don't understand how the doppelgangers work, the mechanics. And I, I'm curious, what is, what is your interpretation of the, I think they're called the tethered. And yeah. how do you, what do you make of the rules and how this film tells their story? The like in-house rules of the, the universe or like the storytelling rules. Uh, I'm, I'm not quite sure if I, I would say, I would say the former more than the latter. So like how it fits in the, like how it makes sense in the universe. You mean? Yeah. Yeah. Just watching this movie. Did it really work for you? you know, on this level of the mechanics and, and their backstories and all of that, those details. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I guess I didn't really put too, too much stock into like the logistics of it per se. I, I mean, like I was saying earlier, I, I kind of took it at face value as a metaphor, um, kind of similar, I guess, to another film I really like, uh, mother from a yeah. couple years ago, but that's another oh, film where it's like I was very metaphor allegory heavy. <laughs> yeah. It's like another very metaphor allegory heavy film. I guess you could say like, well, like, how does this work exactly? Like what, how much time has passed and all that stuff. And I don't know, to me, I'm not, I guess I'm not that interested in that if I'm invested in the story and the message and what's saying or what I perceive the film is saying. Sure. So, um, yeah, I didn't really put too, too much stock into that, but I, I, I'm sure there's a lot of fun theories you could come up with for Mm -hmm. that. And again, like, I mean, I just took it as like, um, like when you watch a twilight zone episode and there's a lot of times where like stuff like that, like you. I guess if you, if you spend so much time thinking about like the like logistics of how it's possible, you're not really thinking about what the filmmaker is saying sometimes. I mean, maybe that's just my opinion, at least upon first watch. So mm-hmm. I guess I'd, I'd focus on that more maybe in a second or third viewing. But for now, I was just kind of invest in the story and what Jordan Peele uh, was saying and what he was telling here. So I guess I don't really have an answer. I'm sorry. So. No, well, uh, I, I think I think to what you're saying, as long as the film follows its own established rules, I think it's fine, whatever those rules are. I don't think they always have right. to be 100% grounded in a literal interpretation, right? Yeah. And I actually appreciate how this film manages the mystery of these tethered people, because they peel... He avoids yeah. over explaining the lore, which I think would have been a huge mistake because he does yeah, explain well, some of it, but he doesn't overdo it. Well, I think that's the thing is like about horror is that it's scarier if you just don't know. Right. Like mm-hmm. if you don't exactly know what's going on or where they're coming from or how it works, I think there's something just inherently creepier about that. So for me, I, I like that. It doesn't overexplain it. I, I guess it does a little bit by the end. You know, like there's that monologue in the yeah, classroom. Yeah, it tells you the that, government but, is kind of involved vaguely. Right. But right. you still don't truly understand what they did and why this is happening yeah. or anything like that. Right. Yeah. But to what you're saying, I think ultimately this film is more interesting in metaphor than it is mythology. Because the the point is, I think what you're supposed to take away is that the tethered are, they're the lower class, the poverty class. These are the people who are shunned by society, but they're still tied to it. And what I love about this movie is that it doesn't actually posit that we're the revolution or the resistance, right? But the revolution okay. is us, and it shows the dark side of that kind of destruction, that's going to happen to society if we don't reckon with our 
the darkest realities of ourselves and the way that society yeah. makes us too comfortable to question what's wrong with society. And I just, I just think that's such a good, you don't see that in movies, right? Like you don't mm-hmm. see movies that get to that on such an intellectual level. You just normally get, and I think that's why Peel was like, this isn't about race because he thought that that was such a simplistic way in for people because yeah. it would just be like a, this character's prejudice, this character's not, but this movie is actually getting to the heart of what's wrong with us. And I love that. Yeah. I guess, I mean, to your point earlier that I guess because get out was such a race focused film that people also assume that this is going to be similar in that regard. So I understand, I guess what you're saying earlier about not wanting to compare them too much, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't want any simple reads of this film. I think the film is inviting like a huge Reddit forum of multiple theories. And I think that makes it even more a film relevant to now. Like it just feels very much like not only that, but I guess there's going to be like how many countless memes are going to be made for this film. It almost seems like meme, uh, <laughs> like it's made for the memes in some ways. But uh, yeah, I, yeah, I, I'm really, really excited to give this another spin or two to see what I perceive of the film the next time around. Yeah. You know, we talked about some, some of the pop culture kind of little treasures in this movie. I was thinking a lot of George Romero with, you know, the, the tether oh, yeah. really, when, when we see them in the flashback scenes, they, they really come off as zombies. Right. And mm-hmm. it's so creepy. It's so utterly creepy to watch them. And I, I just got this image in my head of people who live vicariously through media Right. And they, they don't even know why they're doing what they're doing, but they know that they're influenced by yep. people who are above them. And so that, that was just really, I, there, there's so many great, like classic classism takes you can kind of create from this, this movie. And, and, you know, it, it is so political, you know, you mentioned it in your review, but I think it's, it's a purposeful, I think the fact that it's red is the color of their jumpsuits is very intentional. And because I, I think it is kind of a one-to-one comparison of a group of people who feel forgotten, who a charismatic person who isn't really one of them shows up and convinces them through persuasion that they should rise up and take the upper class by force. And yeah. I, I think that that's just a very, like, that's just so political. I mean, that that is a very artistic interpretation of, of our current day from Jordan Peele. And there, there even is the fact of like, you can look at the wall of people across the country. You can look at that as like the border wall in the sense, because it's this sort of ineffective, pointless thing. It's a stunt that doesn't really yeah. accomplish anything. Just like the hands across America didn't really accomplish what it set out to do. You can say that it's a little red line across America. And so redlining, if you don't know, is it's an economic term. It's about how local governments gentrify poor neighborhoods and by raising prices and basically redlining districts to, to keep people out of them. And so there's so many things that you can just throw into this movie that feel intentional and, and feel like they all sort of fit yeah. this grander puzzle piece. And that that's what I think the true joy of this film is, is putting those pieces together for yourself. Yeah, the Great Divide and all that. Yeah, um, yeah. No, I, I agree 100% with all that. And that's why I think, uh, even though I'm not crazy about the twist, which we'll talk about in a little bit, I think that final shot is just perfect. I just mm-hmm. love that the way that it's, it's shot and captured and the way that it ends on that note. To me, I think 
uh, if nothing else, I think that that is a great way to end the film right there. If I even if I don't love the twist, so um, yeah, we didn't talk too much about all the performances. I, I think this is a, a stunner from Nyong'o, and in yeah. all of them because they're all doing two different roles each, and they kind of have to play this these sort of like straighter characters against these really creepy all out characters. And I was a little worried at some parts because I was like, oh, is this going to be that thing where they're going to be, it's going to be so over the top because it just feels like they're more excited about this character that it's going to let down the more normal character. But there's this point too, where like Zora gets super hyper violent all of a sudden. And, and I think that really clicked for me of like, you really felt like these, these characters were kind of, there was a good balance there, but, but what did you think? How did, how did these characters work for you over the course of the film? Not just as a whole. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I did love that the movie goes like out of its way to have every one of the doppelgangers killed by the person, like they're doppelganging. Uh, yeah. however you say what you're saying. And I also love that. Like every time they kill somebody, their outfits become more red. Uh, it's like a kind of subtle thing, but it's also not, I guess. But, um, yeah, no, I, I thought, uh, what was your initial question there? I'm being sure I'm answering it. Just specific uh, performances. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I think, uh, obviously I think, uh, Lapita is going to be the one that's focused on. She might even get a word attention for this. I don't know. Um, but on my phone, it's either going to be a Tony Collette situation or a Daniel Kaluuya situation. Yeah, maybe, maybe, I don't know. But I don't want to overlook um, Winston Duke. I thought he was great here. Um, yeah, the child performances. I don't think he was oh, great. I think he was good. I, I, yeah, I don't know. There was nothing about it where that it really stood out to me by design, personally. And, and that's not a flaw. I just, you know, I don't know. It wasn't amazing yeah. to me. No, I get what you're saying. I do think, uh, I mean, obviously this is Lapita's movie, but I do think he stands on his own. Like I thought he, I, I, I would say I definitely... Yeah. I thought his like corny dad stick was better than like the doppelganger stuff, but the doppelganger stuff plays so little part in his right. uh, fraction of the story. So I can't really say much about that performance in general. It's just kind of, it is what it is. Um, the kid actors are pretty good. I didn't, I don't know if I ever like had a moment where I was like really taken aback by them though. I did really like the um, younger Lapita. I thought she was really good. Madison Curry. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Uh, uh, um, instantly iconic, yeah. almost as iconic as Nyong'o. But I, I want to yeah. say Shahadi, right? Joseph. I, I did have a moment where I was like, this kid, she, she's the older teenage daughter. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh my goodness. I, I actually thought that she was definitely a standout for me personally. Yeah. And I mean, I, I don't want to uh, spend too much time, but I, I, I do think, uh, Tim Heidecker and Elizabeth Moss. Were cool. I, I thought definitely Tim Heidecker in particular <laughs> had was some uh, fun moments. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, I think Tim Heidecker is a better actor than people give him credit for, and I thought he did a very nice job in this film. So, um, uh, yeah, I, I can't get that image out of my head where he's like rejecting the the hands, and oh, that's such a weird. Which one? When he's he's making it look like he's going to help Elizabeth Moss's character help her get up, and then he like oh. turns back. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember now. Yeah. <laughs> I I think the inclusion of the Tyler family was actually a pretty brilliant to bring into this dynamic because because you have you have the sort of middle class represented by the Wilson family, and the Tylers are like the upper middle class, and even though the Wilsons, I mean, they've got everything they need. They they're they're they've got enough to have like a happy life, but the dad Gabe in particular, like he's kind of like a little obsessed with keeping up with the Tylers and 
He wants and that then, vote. Yeah, and but it's it's such a good commentary because while while the middle class is focusing on the upper middle class, you have the tethered who they have nothing. They have absolutely nothing. And and I think like they're always living their lives, like I said, vicariously through the the, the middle class who just don't appreciate what they do have. And then the, I thought that there was something really potent about that. And I, I really like the, the movie, I guess, if we're going to get kind of philosophical about it, it is us versus them. And yep. it's a nice, it's a nice callback to, to that movie, them where the ants like come up from the tunnels. Right? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Fun. That, yeah. I mean, but yeah, us versus them. It's about how we sort of are pitted against each other, which is even all the more harrowing that this movie ends with, with them holding hands united. You know what I mean? But we're yeah. still as divided as ever. And it's just, ah, oh, that like that, that juxtaposition, that divisiveness, it, it's such a mind melt, but in, in a good way that gets you really thinking about things. So I, I'm probably just rambling at this point. No, no, I think you're uh, nothing you said. I think is inaccurate. So I'm okay. in agreement with you. And if anything, you're making me like the movie even more. So <laughs> let's keep that, going. I, I want to get yeah. <laughs> let's get that A minus no, up. No, I don't know. But I mean, I guess we should. Should we talk about that twist now? Then or just where? That's where why I, I wanted to bring that? up. Okay. okay, that's why I wanted to bring up the performances because I did want to bring up Nyong'o, who is the heart of the film. And the twist, of course, I think most people are most people are going to get this twist coming. I assume, and yeah. I know I did, and it sounds like you did too. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just the one that like you would naturally assume if you like figure if there's you, going to be a twist, which you yeah, kind of have. If you've watched, given how twisty before. the film, right? I mean, and I, I get some people are like you know saying a twist is spoiler, but considering how like twisty the movie is to begin with, I don't think it's that much of a spoiler to say there's a twist in it. It's just what it is. But anyway. That's just a minor nitpick that I've been seeing throughout the web, but yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, what is the twist will Ashen? And yeah, let's get into more detail. Why, why didn't it work for you? Um, so the, I guess final twist of the film is that, uh, there's a, well, I guess we should preface that there's a big battle between the two Lapitas. She, the one explains the, I guess the, the, Doppelganger is red, right? That's her yeah. name. It's just red. Yeah. She explains like how she's been kind of fostering this plan for the beginning. And they have like this ballet, uh, you know, literal wrestling with oneself moment. And then uh, she eventually kills her and she goes up to the family, gets reunited. And then uh, the final reveal is just that the, uh, the PETA that lived is actually red or the, uh, the evil one that killed her as, or I guess not killed her and captured as a kid. And then they kind of switched identities and the one son knows about it, but he's willing to keep the secret. So it's, I guess well, there's a more you can, yeah. you can maybe say that he, he's figured it out. I, I have a hard time knowing either way, but yeah. So Adelaide is the name of the character. So, yeah. so Adelaide, when she was a young girl, she sees red at the doppelganger who sort of goes up the escalator and switches places. So then the actual quote unquote human Adelaide, she's the one who's the red that we meet where she's all like, that's why she can talk even though it's a little weird. Um, And that's why she is able to convince she's like the outsider to the tethered. It's like, it's basically how she was able to convince them. It, it like, come on, it is a one-to-one with like Donald Trump who is like, he's of the elite upper class, but he's talking to the forgotten people of society and convincing them to go yeah. that he's one of them basically. Right. 
and Adelaide, it's assumed, one one. right? One to one. Another one, reference. One, one one to one one. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, so in, in that kind of similar way. So Adelaide switches places. And so the Adelaide that we've been following, she was one of these tethered. But and, and they make it kind of obvious because very early in the film that you're in the therapist's office and there's like she's not talking and all this stuff and it's like this this trauma happened to her and I think it's kind of easy to be like oh okay they probably switch her and so the, but then yeah it's it is kind of con- it, not confusing but it is sort of like a, a very big warning sign that the twist is coming yeah uh, but I guess. I respect what it's doing, and I I don't think it necessarily kills the film, like I said. But for me, I just I, I don't know why the film made a point to make it seem like this twist was like such like a huge game changer when, uh, it it I just felt like it's what everyone kind of saw. It just feels kind of weird to end it on that note. But maybe that's just me, uh, perceiving the film one way, and maybe I'll appreciate it more when I have that context rewatching the film. I don't know. I don't know if you'll like it more the next. I I it, I love it. The twist works for me, even though it's obvious. I, I do think the movie at least puts seeds of doubt in your head that it's going to happen because it, That's fair, it, yeah. the film kind of tries to shoot it down because it, it, it sort of unconfirms it because then they'll say things like, oh, this happened to me. And, and the way that Red talks, she doesn't talk like she used to be human. And so you would assume, wait, if she was switched, then Red would be kind of more obvious about that but she isn't, but you can still sort of see it coming in a way. But when the twist is confirmed, the the reason it works for me is because it actually means something and it forces you to recontextualize everything that you just saw. You have to reconsider your assumptions and who you were rooting for and your negative perception of these characters. And it actually invokes, I think, sympathy for the tethered in a very unique way because you find out that the person you've been rooting for was one of them. And so it invokes sympathy at a time when you should be feeling horror at what's about to ha- at what's happening because a lot of people just got murdered. And I think this is, and I'm going to reiterate this. This is what Peel is so good at. He has this kind of secret gift that I don't think should be underestimated. He knows how to beautifully illustrate the overlap of emotion, the way that a horror can be comedy comedy can become sadness and all three can be one and the same in the same way that Adelaide and red are kind of one and the same. It's just all about the, the place that they're in and the opportunities they're given. And I, 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 this is a bold statement, but I think that in just two films, Peel has made a more human film than anything. I think that was nominated for an Oscar in 2018. And, and I think this, this is the heart of it. This is the heart of it. If you give someone the same privileges afforded to the rest of us. If you give somebody who's in poverty the same privilege that you take for granted, they're almost certainly going to thrive because that is what Adelaide does. She thrives with the life she's given, even though she stole it from someone else. It And it's defying this age-old assertion that the poor are just poor because they're lazy or they're not smart enough or they're not good enough. And there's nothing I can do about it. I shouldn't have to feel guilty because I'm the middle class. Like I don't have what these other people have. Why should I feel guilty about people who have even less than me? And I think this film just stabs into the heart of that super weak argument. And and that's why this film really speaks to me because that's something we're all guilty of. It's something we all do. We assume just because we don't have everything, we don't have anything. 
And I think this twist, it just drives that point home so beautifully that the reason Adelaide doesn't even think that she used to be one of these tethered is because the same reason we forget all the time what privileges we have. We, we always forget what we got because of our parents had the money to, to help us do a thing. Or when we lost our job, we didn't go into, into poverty because somebody took care of us. And it, it's just, it's beautiful. It's beautiful the way that the, down to the escalator being only, it only goes down, right? Yes. It only goes down because there's, there's an assumption that you're never going to get up there. If you're down in the poor, you're going to be there and there's no way out. And and that's not even talking about the imposter syndrome that you can read into this and the okay. symbolism. It's like you said, like Adelaide is closed too. They're, they're white when you first see them. They become red with blood over time. It's a twist that's more than just by words. It's a visual. It's through the smile when you really know what's going on. And that it just works for me. I, I just think because it actually means something important to the film and it's not just trying to be like, ha, gotcha, you thought one thing, but now I'm just putting in this twist because I want you to have a reaction. It's more of like, here's this twist because you made a few assumptions and you should probably rethink those assumptions. And and that's why it works for me. All right. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> sorry, I that was very over the top. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how exactly to follow that up, but I'll just say that, um, you know, I mean, we're at a point now where I, I think Hollywood, uh, doesn't often champion original films or that we don't really get films that mm-hmm. uh are based on another intellectual property and i do love that jordan peele you know now that he has uh deservedly gotten so much clout as a filmmaker you know he he's a brand in and of himself so he is able to propel these original stories and make films like this like that this might honestly end up being the high gro- highest grossing original film of the year and for good reason yeah. So I'm just glad, among other things, that we're finally getting like you know all this excitement for an original horror property, which is pretty exciting and great to see. Um, so yeah, I, I really hope people. I mean, I'm guessing if you got to this point in the episode, you've seen the film by now. Hopefully, you have. Hopefully, but if you yeah. haven't, yeah, <laughs> I hope I hope people really check this out. I mean, it sounds like a lot of people are already seeing it, but um, yeah, you know, it's taken the, the box office by storm yeah. so far. Yeah. And, I, uh, yeah, I'd be remiss yeah. if I didn't ask you this. So 1111, did you make a wish when you saw that both times? Um, no, I didn't. Cause I, I didn't, I didn't <laughs> think to do around. that in the film. No, but <laughs> no, I, I agree. I, I, I do think it's a good point though. Like how much the film repeats stuff or plays with doubles, like mm-hmm. even like kind of sell things like that, like 1111, 1111, 11, like doing that, showing that two times. They got, he's such a clever guy that Jordan Peele. Wow. I, he is. Yes. I think it's well, also. Yeah. What, what did you credit. take away? What, what did you take away from that though? Why, from the coincidences and like, what did that really mean to you? Or what about it was clever to you? Uh, well, I was just gonna say real quick. I also want to uh, champion the editor for doing that. I think it's a really well edited film, and so mm-hmm. I, I feel like that might be overlooked. Uh, but you're asking why that that struck a chord with me to have such repetition throughout the film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, it's just the mirror, like the nature of reflection itself. I think just seeing double, I I, I think. The film, Jordan Peele knows so much what he's trying to communicate here. And I, I, I'm worried that anyone who dismisses the film might not take it. I mean, like you're saying, like because not everything is as clear cut as before, 
they might take that for granted that I think this film isn't really as messy as some people are perceiving the film to be. I think, if anything, it's even more oh, yeah. strict and exact. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, because I, I remember when I was when I uh, left the film, I remember thinking the script was maybe a little messier than Get Out, just because I, I'm sure that film, he was working on that script for about 10 years. I don't know how long he's been working on the script for us. Uh, but, I mean, that that's definitely a very tightly wound film, Get Out. But I think this film, just the layers upon layers that he is incorporating into the film. And it's just so clear from everything we've said before that Jordan Peele is a filmmaker who sees the big picture, but he's so focused on the minute details, mm-hmm. whether it's just references or nods or anything like that. I, I am, I think I, that's, I mean, just the nature doubles everything. You, you can tell that he is making this film to reward multiple rewatches. And I think just the fact that we're only seeing the film once right now, I mean, I've, I think you've only seen the film once as well, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. Hope yeah. to see it again so, soon. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I can't even imagine what the second conversation is going to be like. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's so much, so much you can take away from this entire thing. I know when I first saw the Jeremiah 11.11, I, I couldn't remember what the exact verse was, but obviously I knew of Jeremiah. And I, I thought it was interesting because Jeremiah, for those of you who don't know, is he he was a prophet who was part of a larger system of abuse and power in the ancient world. And he was part of a society that worshipped false gods that would people would like idolize, that would bring them death and invasion from other countries. So you can kind of tie this to a lot of different things. And it, there was something that the verse itself is, therefore, thus saith the Lord, behold, I will bring evil upon them, which they shall not be able to escape. And though they shall cry unto me, I will not hearken unto them. That's the King James version, because it's the best version. But basically, oh, okay. yeah. But I, mean, basi- I, went, I, went, I went to look that up, but I forgot. So thanks for telling me that and the listeners. Yeah, yeah. I, I was thinking about, when I read this, I, I was thinking about so many moments in this film where, you know, the, there was even a part where Elizabeth Moss is like crying out, through the window and this ends up laughing. It's probably a, that is one of the creepiest transitions the film has, but yeah, there there was just a sort of like driving home, I guess, of the, the death and destruction of it all of like what these tethered people are doing. And I don't know, it's not a good transition point, but at least with the, the whole idea of coincidences, I, I think that there is something kind of fascinating. This is getting really deep, but there is something fascinating to me about coincidences and the fact that they're not always intentional and they're not always caused by anything in the sense that like they're called tethered and they're underground and there's nothing really causing them to act like the other people above them. And for some reason, this made me think of like fan theories and when we connect coincidences in film and add meanings to things and it, it, even though in some of those cases, like it's not what the author intended, it's not what the director intended, because we're human and we want to stamp out all randomness, we tell stories that have coincidences that repeat stories. We, we tell the same stories over and over again, and we try to find yeah. links between them. As film critics, we do this. When we talk mm-hmm. about films, we talk about films and how they relate to each other, how they fit within a bigger context, because we just there's something about that that brings us this kind of small amount of happiness and satisfaction. So there's something unique about this film, because that to me is, it's almost like that's what Peel wants us to really 
kind of have as the solution maybe of like, we have all, all this division and we have all of this misunderstanding and we have all of the haves and the have nots and all of that stuff. But if we just add meaning to what we sort of like have in common, that we actually can actually solve some real problems and get out of these like empty, meaningless gestures. Like, did, did you know about the hands across America thing when you watched the film? Cause I had to look it up. I didn't really know what it was specifically. You mean just in general or like anything uh, specific about it? Both. Um, kind of. I had to look more into it after the film, but I mean, I knew like, I mean, I remember hearing about Hands Across America for a while. I mean, just like in passing, but more yeah, like yeah. kind of joking. Like, I remember like people that kind of like dismissed it. Like, I, I remember hearing it, but never like with any great details, because that was probably about 10 or uh, 15 years before my time. So, um, yeah, I. I I didn't know too, too much about it before the film, I have to say. Right, right. But then I looked it up too, and you quickly realize, okay, yeah, it was this thing that they did in the 80s because it's so 80s to, to be like, oh, if we just hold hands and if we're all sort of united on something, that solves a problem. But famously, it, it didn't, or infamously, it raised a bunch of money. Half of it went to operating costs and it didn't solve any problems. Like it didn't, it didn't really do anything. It was just a stunt. It was just a show showy, like let's, let's feel good about doing something, even though we don't actually solve the problem. And I contributed. Exactly. Exactly. And it's not about actually doing hard work and self-awareness and, you know, acknowledging that you're part of the problem and, and all of that. And, what I like about this this movie is even though it is political to what you're saying, you you mentioned in your review it has a both sides mentality. It has an all sides mentality in the sense that like we're all in this sort of pit of not really of complaining a lot. And a lot of us do know that there's a problem, but not doing anything about it. And then we do things that don't amount to much. But I, I think this is a challenging film in that level. And yeah, I stick by my A, Will Ashton. <laughs> I think this yeah, movie no. is brilliant. I, I'm just a very, uh, I guess, picky person. I, I I give out the A grade very, very rarely. I think only once in our podcast history have I given out the A distinctly. Uh, so, was it just uh, Mandy? I feel like there was another one. No, nope, it, it was just Mandy. Mandy. Okay. It was just Mandy. I mean, right. if you if you know another one, let me know. But I'm pretty certain that I mean, even like movies I really like, like Briggs Bear, I gave an A minus. So. Um, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure Mandy's we'll the only the Ashton. We'll call it the Ashton curve. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess that's, that's the way it goes these days. So, um, yeah, I don't know, but I mean, I'm really excited to see the film again. I would say it's definitely my favorite film of the year and I'd have to assume it's the same for you, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. You know, my favorite, well, my favorite movie up to this point was the report with the oh, yeah, driver and that that Benning one. film. Yeah. And, and that for me is another just tremendously great film. This one yeah absolutely blows it out of the water. This is my number one. And I have a feeling it could be my favorite movie of the year. I hope Maybe. it's not. I hope we get something amazing, you know, uh, yeah, for yeah. the rest of the year, who knows, but yeah, by far, th- this is the film that's going to stick with me. This is a film I'm going to be watching for years and years and years. It just really spoke to me, but as we wind things down, okay, we didn't talk about the rabbits. Oh let's, yeah. I, this is the, the call out the callback I was referring to because when we go on to the rabbits and like, Oh yeah, I remember in get out the first yeah. song was run rabbit run. And so I was, a, I thought that was a nice little Easter egg peel put in there. Yeah. 
Yeah, I don't know. I mean, has he confirmed that that was intentional or is that just a coincidence? Although, as you say, <laughs> that's what I what just said. Doesn't have to be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. If it's a coincidence, I don't care. But uh, yeah, so the rabbits in general, though, I would we would be remiss if we didn't talk about this. But I have my interpretation. I'm not. It's one of those things that I don't feel as confident about of like the way I took it. What What was your takeaway with the rabbits, if any? Um, yeah, I don't know. I was trying to think about this. I was, I was, uh, Molly it over. Um, I was thinking maybe about like how like rabbits are, aren't they pretty much known to like reproduce at a high rate, like the higher rate than a lot of animals in the animal. Right. Kingdom? Right. So it's implied that they were the test subjects before the tethered. And then that's why yeah. they're eating them is because those are only food source. Right. And right. And then, you know, that, that, uh, um, uh, I guess like the the one shot, like the credit shot, where like they're all in contain, like contained in that like mm-hmm. cell and stuff. You know, like that that's kind of metaphoric in its own way and stuff. And then by and, the end, they're set free. Yeah, you know, yeah, uh, just running amok in that uh, that area. I remember, yeah. So, um, yeah, I I don't know exactly. I mean, I don't want to assume uh, specifically what that meant, but I mean, it's like another thing in the film. I think you can take multiple meanings out of it and not really be wrong in any particular way. I mean, my, my big one and bear with me, but this is what I was thinking when we, when we first see all the cages, I thought they were supposed to represent TVs. And so the idea was that all well, of the white, the open- all of the white bunnies, it was, it's like basically saying our media consumption is very white and yeah. it's about token. There were like a, there was like a token Brown bunny here and a token one over here. But I thought the implication was that everything we consume in media is mostly white, save for like token TV shows or token characters. And it's kind of foreshadowing of how like the idea of cultural diversity, you just add diversity to things and you pander, but you don't really, you know, you don't really do anything to have representation. And I think that that's a very, I think that's a reading that kind of stuck out to me. But then I was also thinking- uh... I was going to say, that was a talking point of notes in horror noir, I remember. Exactly. I think that's probably why I was thinking of it, right? Because we had just watched that documentary. But then I was also thinking, it's like, the fact that they eat them raw kind of makes sense too, because the raw consumption of media is also pretty toxic and it kind of messes with us. And then, but then I kind of lost it when they all get free. (laughs) Then I was like, okay, so what does this mean? And then, and then you see Jason kind of take the bunny with him. Then I was like, okay, are they supposed to be, does that represent like him taking this experience with him? So I wasn't quite sure. Like, is the idea that when they're set loose, there aren't any rules anymore and media now is all it's scattered. It's not as, you know, you, like we're not all watching media? the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, that can be part of it, but then also streaming services and like, everybody's watching their own thing and like their bunnies down over here. And it's like, it's all over the place. It's not like contained and controlled anymore. And maybe that's what he's saying. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Like I said, this is our first viewing of the film. So I think it it only will be rewarded with multiple rewatches. So sounds like we have to revisit this one in a year or two. Yeah. That'll probably reflect on it a little more then. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. All right. All right. We both really like this film. That's the bottom line. Go check it out. That'll do yeah. it for a review of us. Did you have anything else you wanted to add? Um, trying to think. There was something I was going to bring up, but I, I it's gave my mind at the moment, so we can end it here. I think I'll, we've had a good I'll bring up something. I can't go back to Santa Cruz anymore. 
okay. because, and I'm pretty upset about it. I'm pretty mad at Jordan Peele actually, because Santa Cruz is one of my favorite places. And now when I go, I'm just going to assume that I'm going to be replaced. And you don't understand, Will, like, do you think this could be like so jobs for the new generation? Like, uh, people <laughs> being afraid to go to Santa Cruz <laughs> or go um, into tunnels. Yeah. Or go down escalators. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. okay. has he said, yeah. has he said what his third movie is going to be? Has that been announced so. yet? Yeah. I, I think know he's, he's working focusing on, like, on twilight zone for now and he's got a yeah, lot of producing, and, um, the Candyman reboot remake thing. They produce oh, yeah. it. I know. Yeah, just producing uh, that yeah. as far as i know yeah no yeah it's a different director i i saw but um i think he's doing uh like a leica film or an animated film oh i don't uh, know about that. it's with a uh, henry salick the director of a uh, core line and so hmm. and uh, i think he's oh, doing that i did hear about this um yeah so he's got a lot on his docket so it might be a little bit before we see the third film from jordan peele yeah um but yeah, I'm excited to see where he goes next. And I think there's going to be uh, much anticipation to see what his third spin is going to be. Couldn't agree more. Uh, so yeah. the film has a 95% on Rotten Tomatoes af- out of uh-huh. 296 reviews. Yeah, pretty good. And its average rating is 7.99 out of 10, which t- kind of tells me that a lot of people are, are rating this pretty fairly. But its cinema score is pretty revealing, too. The cinema score is a B which is pretty low for cinema score. So it looks like it is kind of having people scratch their heads. It's not like mother though, which really just made people angry and frustrated. I think that it's a much yeah. more, uh, I don't want to say grounded. That's not the right word for it, but it, no. it is more grounded no, no. to reality. Right? Yeah. It's closer yeah. to that than this, but critics uh, are really liking yeah. it for the most part. I think this is one of those, like most people are either really loving it. Like I guess me and you, or yeah. they're just, they're a little mixed and they don't know how they feel yet. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I have, I mean, there's, I haven't talked to too, too many people directly about the film yet, but just like reading different things on Letterboxd and Twitter and elsewhere, different reviews uh, I found on Rotten Tomatoes. It just seems like some people, I, I seem like most people based on 95% grade like the film, but I, I definitely have seen a lot of people be like, it's just a bit of a letdown or like, oh, like they don't think it's quite as good for certain reasons. I don't know exactly, yeah. but I don't know. Maybe it's just because like you said, it's like, it's, it's a film that, is intentionally playing with a lot is a film that's very ambitious and audacious and i think that might turn some people off i don't know because i mean having it not be as clear-cut in its message and what it's trying to say is get out might make some people think that it's messy by design but i think that's what makes it more intriguing i think that's what makes it kind of a more interesting conversation like we've had like i i I value films that have more no nothing to say anything negative about get out but um, I just think I, I I tend I think to like this movie a little more just because I think lingering on it is more rewarding because you just have more you can say and think about. I mean I think the intricacies of Get Out is what makes it really great. You know like just how he, he plays with little things, but the way that everything in this film you can really kind of pick apart and take different things away is just so fascinating. And I think that's really going to make it uh, stand the test of time, maybe as much as Get Out. But I don't know. It's too early to say. It's almost kind of a fun thought experiment to be like, what if he either never had made Get Out or what if this had been his first film and we didn't have those expectations, right? What if the only expectations we had was like, oh, well, last year was A Quiet Place. That was what came out around this time. And that was kind of an original horror idea with an interesting premise where that one was like monsters that kill you if you make a sound. This one is you, you're, su- you're doppelganger 
you know, stabbing you with scissors. Yeah. So it makes me wonder, like, oh, I wonder how people would have reacted to this sans all of those expectations. And uh, that could be an interesting conversation for another day. I, I wonder how people. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, because this film, it feels so directly commenting on the like Trump administration. So I don't know if he could make this before it get out. Well, I, I would but, say it's still coming in my thought experiment. It would still be coming out today, but in this reality, he hadn't made get out. Oh, you know, I see. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so we skipped yeah, that know, part. I don't, the, yeah. I don't know if he could get it made in the same caliber and, and high standing as this, as it is now. So I don't know. I mean, it, yeah. it, it, it's impossible to know. That's why it's a fun uh, thought experiment. <laughs> and one thing I think you mentioned earlier is that like, I do like that. Like his films are kind of like the next evolution in some ways. Like, like obviously like get out is like kind of like Stepper Wise and Night of the Living Dead and like films like yeah. that, or I like, guess who's coming to dinner. But it's like, it's taking those themes like you were saying earlier, but it's like repeating them a little bit, but he's, he's putting his own spin or he's like giving it a little more nuance, a little more perspective to kind of tell a similar story, but in his own way. And I, I, I mean, there's a lot of films you could, I guess you could uh, compare us to, but and in its own way, I think it, it is a little more original. Like, it feels like it's a little more distinct to Jordan Peele's ideas. Like, it feels it's a little more organic to him and what he's trying to say. And I'm very curious if that's going to continue or if his next film is going to be a little more contained the way Get Out was. It's very it's very hard to say from here if he's going to expand or kind of go back to something a little more uh, squarely focused as Get Out. Well said. Well, I think on that note of the future and what's next for Peel, I think that's a good place to end it because the future is so uncertain. But thank you for listening yep. to this entire spoiler section. And I'm glad we got to do this. And I wish we could do it more often. I don't think every film truly warrants it. So we, we can definitely yeah. leave it as an open option in, in future episodes for ones that we think that really need that kind of, you know, maybe it was The Last Jedi. Maybe that was the last one. I don't know. I, I think, yeah, maybe, yeah. Because we did um, talk about that one for like two hours, but okay. <laughs> oh, uh, I have one quick <clears throat> question. This is just a goof, but so you mentioned uh, Quiet Place, uh, John Krasinski, you know, Jordan Peele. They're both comedic actors going the horror genre. Who's yeah. the next comedic actor going to make his directorial uh, introduction to the horror genre? I'm going to say Nick Offerman. What's your prediction? I'm glad you asked. And that's an interesting one because Nick Offerman, he didn't direct Hearts Beat Loud, but he did kind of have that no. sort of, and it's not a horror. So I guess that doesn't count. No. Okay. The comedian that I want to see do a horror movie is without. Oh, uh, is it Pat Oswalt? That was my other answer. No, no, it's not. Oh. Unfortunately, I would actually love to see John Mulaney and Nick Kroll do a horror movie. Okay. Like together or just together. like. Uh, okay. I think they're aces and I think that they could do like a Chris Lord and or, um, Phil Lord and Chris Miller sort of team up co-directing thing. That's just okay. my, yeah, maybe, yeah. you know, I mean, um, I see it. I guess it. Yeah. I'd be curious to see what they come up together as, as far as a horror uh, genre is concerned, but I do hope, I mean, are we getting to a point now where horror is finally kind of getting its due? Like it's not kind of dismissed upon like people are, I don't know because there is that there was a whole elevated horror conversation. Yeah, there's a lot of work to film. do in that entire. Yeah. I don't think we're there yet, but we're certainly getting better, you know. But I, I have a feeling if we all hold hands across <laughs> the country, yeah, horror that's... will finally get its. Stu- yeah, people right. will finally start to respect this genre. So, all right, all right, that's a good place to end it, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'll, I'll just say, like I said, this is probably this is my favorite horror film since it follows which okay. it follows was the film where I was like, Oh, thank you. Finally, like a horror film that is like, that is just really like outdoing itself. 
And it had been a little oh. while since we had that. I I did I know people really love Babadook and probably put it above It Follows, but Yeah, I don't know. I mean I really love Babadook. I I know you didn't like it as much, but I really love Raw for some reasons. Like I think I, I love picking apart that movie. That was everything after. It's trying to I know. But I'm saying like just uh, oh, after yeah, that, yeah, yeah. like for me, like talking just uh, I mean obviously Mandy, I Absolutely. really love uh, yeah. um but yeah, I'm yeah, I'm I'm still bummed you didn't really dig Raw, but oh well. What well, can you do? I didn't. Yeah, I did. I didn't uh, give it that much of a chance, maybe. But and and, and Hereditary. That was another one that you liked a lot more than. Oh I yeah, think. I loved Hereditary. Yeah, yeah. But okay, we just have we just have slightly different tastes in horror films, but I think we like most of the same ones. Oh, but okay, and that, those Happy Death Day movies. You, you yes, they're great uniters. Yeah. All right, stick around for next week's show. We're going to be talking about Dumbo, and hopefully, we'll be able to catch the Beach Bum and Hotel oh, yeah. Mumbai. We're going to be talking about Shrill, a new TV show on Hulu, which I think I've been, I, I've seen four episodes of now, and I think you okay. just started it. So hopefully yeah, we'll have a lot to talk about there. I'm really liking it, so I, I'm looking forward okay. to talking about that one. And then maybe Shazam? We'll see about that. All right. But as always, don't forget to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts if you love our show and anywhere else that you can leave a review. Go to cinemaholics.com, find all of our stuff, our Facebook, our Twitter, our email, cinemaholicspodcast at gmail.com. That's all in the episode description. That we will see you all next week. From the internet, California, I am John Agroni. And from the internet, Pennsylvania, I'm Walsh. We'll see you next time.